I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're all very welcome back to the Celtic Soul podcast with me, Andrew Millen. Today, my guest will be Celtic supporters, liaison officer, John Paul Taylor. Before we kick off today, I would like to dedicate the episode of the podcast to an old pal, David Lazo Leslie, who died suddenly last Sunday and we said our last goodbye yesterday. Everton was his team and Trench then was his band. So folks, enjoy yourself, it's later than you think. I'd like to say thanks to BC Services Tax Consultants for their support once again in sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you would like to become a sponsor, please get in contact by email info at celticfanzine.com on social media or through the website. Thanks for your continued support. Has Twitter become toxic? Are some Celtic fans waiting to post negatively with each Neil Lennon team selection once it has been announced? Everyone is entitled to an opinion, I think we all agree, but the mainstream media is no friend to Celtic fans and they are creating negative headlines by our own negativity. Simply by picking up on loose lip comments by a section of our fans. Some of our own independent fan media seems happy to follow the laptop loyal by quoting the tabloids including The Sun in articles with sensationalised headlines. The Sun, the biggest chip rapper of them all, please boycott. Fanzines were created to give fans an alternative voice from the newspapers and the official club publications. Long before selfies, high speed wifi and social media. But now, some of the so-called alternative media has become part of the mainstream. There is plenty of real quality fan media out there for Celtic fans on all platforms, from fanzines to podcasts, on a daily basis. But be careful, there are wolves out there in hoop clothing who really would prefer if they were part of the mainstream media. Last night may not have been pretty to watch. We had plenty of possession and little chances. But when you look down the other end of the pitch, our goalkeeper Barkas had a very easy night. The bus was parked and it was Neil Lennon's substitutions who combined to secure the win and ensure that we didn't go into extra time. I for one jumped off the sofa while Elanusi hit the back of the net. A result in a game that takes us to Sarajevo next week 
but I'm sure the team will be announced and we'll have the toxic on Twitter once again. After the game I switched off the phone after a few minutes on social media and watched a documentary and I'll tell you one thing I'm glad I did and I might just do the same win lose or draw against Hibs on Sunday. Stay faithful true and true folks. John Paul Taylor is the Celtic supporters liaison officer after spending a number of years in the ticket office at the club. He is a born and bred Glasgow boy. Hello JP, you're very welcome to the Celtic Soul podcast. It seems like a long time since we enjoyed a point in Philadelphia back in February when we chatted at Celtic AM as guests of the Ploughboys Celtic Supporters Club at the Philly Failure. Yeah, God, it does seem now, Andrew, it's a long time ago and who would have thought then what we were going to face in the, in the coming months? So I just wish we could get back to those days as quickly as possible, but yeah, it's been it's been a difficult few months, that's for sure. Now, under normal circumstances, you you would have arrived back from Latvia today, maybe in the early hours of this morning, after dealing with yeah. numerous ticket issues and away day problems at the Tornstiles where I normally meet you. Mm. I'd also be arriving home today at some stage, normally shattered, although depending on how much I enjoyed myself, I'm getting a little older now, I'm not able to keep up the young bucks. <laughs> but instead, I was up at dawn watching snippets of last night's game. As you said, you know, we're living in strange times and we all can't wait to get back to see Celtic. Yeah, listen, absolutely. I think that's the thing at the moment is that we're just everybody's desperate to get back to the games. Last night, obviously, was a very different experience in the same way that we, you know, we had um, in, in other games away from home where you're normally there. But watching the game last night at home and TV, it just reminds you of, you know, all the good times that we've had and, you know, how, how much we enjoy going to follow the club, whether it's, in Scotland or whether it's abroad and not being able to do that at the moment is it's a big loss it's a big loss to to, to everybody that, that goes to see Celtic week in and week out and it's really only hitting home I guess now when you do say you know we, we had the game in Latvia last night and you're, you're sitting in the house watching it when you know that under normal circumstances you would have been there and yeah no doubt we'd have dealt with a few different problems on the night which we have done for, for years um, always happy to do it and it's just it's such a shame that we can't get to the games at the moment. Yeah, it was good to see a couple of the Riga fans getting to see the game on top of the double-decker buses. I, I, do you know, I like that. I mean, I, I know you probably people maybe look at it and say, well, that's not fair or one thing or another. But I like the fact that they did it and I like the fact that they got behind their team and maybe a different story we hadn't gone through. But I just like the fact that they, they were passionate about it and they had their, their drums going and they were, they, they, they were getting the opportunity to back their team. So... Fair play to them, and it's not something that naturally we could encourage. Obviously, we're we, we're very much in the, at the point where we're asking people not to come to the stadium and not to gather at the stadium. But different countries have got different rules and situations and whatever. So fair play to them for doing it. But uh, I just uh, you know I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when we can get people back into the stadium and we can all get back to doing what we've, we've been doing over the years and, and enjoy it without any any conditions placed upon it. Yeah, when I switched on the TV last night, uh, I just get in for kickoff, and I was going, "Wow, how, how are they creating that noise? That's brilliant!" Like, and then <laughs> it took a few minutes before the camera burst, and I thought, "Oh, brilliant!" And you know, as as a as a fan, I think, "Now there you go. That brings new meaning to safe standing." Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I, listen, you've got to admire their ingenuity, and as I say, it's not something we could encourage. Um, Fair play to them. They, they, they did it and they backed their team and that's what you want to see. Um, fans getting back to supporting their team. Yeah, yeah. Like they, they had a good opportunity but no stand behind the, behind the goals. Or, you know. yeah. I presume yeah. it was a car park. 
but, but Latvia is is on the green list in Ireland. But the only thing is, they won't let us in. We have to we have to wait for two weeks. We had them in Dover, but I was jealous of them. But I did think they brought something to the game, and I think they brought something to the Celtic players as well. It wasn't a vintage performance, but look, when teams are going to park the bus against you, you need to be patient. And I think when Alanusi came off the bench, Frimpam, another sub that came on, I think the two boys done brilliant, and we got the win and we move on. Exactly. I mean, it was it was a frustrating game, and I, I, I no doubt everybody watching it felt the same way. You know, you you think after the first 10, 15 minutes, get a goal, settle us down. 20, 25 minutes, half an hour, you're thinking, you know, just get a goal before half time, settle us down. First 15 minutes of the second half, just get the goal. And, and the longer it goes on, and you just, you know, you start to worry, you worry about different scenarios, you know, a late free kick or a late penalty, even, or just anything, things like this can go wrong. But it is about being patient. And they did part the bus, to be fair. You know, it was a bit like going to Livingston or going to Hamilton or going to some of the teams, Kilmarnock recently as well, where you've got to try and break teams down. and the game lasted for 90 minutes and it took 90 minutes to get the goal, but thankfully we did and uh, we move on. But, in, you know, we, we go through to play Sarajevo next week, a place that we had a good result last year. So hopefully we can get through that one and get into the group stages and a big game here on Sunday against Hibs. But the main thing is we won the game. Maybe it wasn't pretty, but we won the game. And they say, we just, you say we've got to be patient. There has been plenty of times here. I mean, even last season against Hamilton, when Bruni get the winner in the 93rd, 94th minute, sometimes you just need to stick with it. And thankfully, the goal came last night. So just pleased to be to be through and into the next round. Yeah, but another way of looking at her is that, you know, Barkas won't have an easier game. He, he's very little to do with it. And nah, it's, well, you, you never was, thought they were really going to score. That was the thing. You, you, you couldn't see us really conceding a goal. It was going to be something potentially of our own making or you know, a, a real freak scenario for us to lose the goal because they weren't coming forward or cutting us open or anything. It was just about us putting forward wave after wave of attack and trying to find a way where we could cut through them. And you know, Thankfully, Elanusi gets on the end of the good, great cutback from, uh, from Frimpong. But no, I thought overall... Um, you know, we watched 70-80% of the play I didn't think we were really going to lose But, you know, it wasn't it, it wasn't pretty And I have to say that when the goal did come in It was a massive relief, but we got there Yeah, it sure was, it sure was Now listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move backwards now Because I was in Thailand When Wood filtered yeah. through That the Rangers game was cancelled Can you just take us through When the news filtered back in To the office then um, That the game was off And Soon after that, we were in lockdown. How was your role handled? Because obviously, everybody is... You're the connection for us with the club because we don't get to speak to board members. The only time we probably see them is at a game or at the AGM. So how, how difficult was it, firstly, for you um, to deal with? And did you know early on that the season was going to finish? It wasn't just a couple of games? Not initially, no. Not initially. Um Obviously, it had been building over the course of the week. Um, Liverpool had played Atletico Madrid, and then I think Leverkusen were here in Glasgow on the Thursday night. Um, and there was a lot of talk at that point about COVID spreading across Europe and you know foreign fans coming in, particularly at that, at that time. Both those countries um, were experiencing high numbers in terms of the virus. And then there were suggestions, you know, that you know that this was going to impact us in the UK. It was going to impact us in Scotland, and things were going to change. But we're still unclear. I mean, right up until Friday lunchtime, it was still the usual 
calls galore about who's got a ticket, who's not got a ticket. Are there any spare tickets? Can you get a ticket? And, you know, that, 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 that was still all going on in the Friday morning. At that point, there wasn't there was a few mutterings to say it's going to be played, but it's going to be behind closed doors. But even at that, you were still thinking to yourself, it's late in the day. Surely we'll get the game on at the weekend. I don't think any has anticipated the seriousness of the situation. But you still thought you get the game on at the weekend. Maybe get a chance to review it next week. Hopefully, if we can go and win the game at the weekend, I think we would have been sixteen points clear. Maybe at that point, and then you start to think, well. You know, we look uncatchable. We, we probably were uncatchable anyway at that point. But we didn't really see the season ending. Um, and then, it, like, kind of early afternoon, I think it broke It broke on the BBC that the government had decided just to postpone the game. So that was fine. So you're like, right, OK, that's a blow. And then, obviously, you've got to try and communicate that to people. But people try to process it themselves and try to understand what was going on. And the rest of the afternoon was really just a, a you know, it was about... What did this all mean? What was it? What was it going to mean in the long term for us? Was the game going to be played? Would we get back to go to games? Just a lot of uncertainty, to be honest with you. And I can still remember like the Friday night going home in the Friday night and being naturally quite upset with the whole thing because a lot of work goes into you know the planning and preparation for the game. As I said, you know the whole ticket side is always a major a major issue and. It takes a, it does take a bit out you, and you just kind of felt really deflated because I, I really fancied this to win the game as well. So we felt really disappointed by all of that, and then you come to work on Monday, wondering what's going to be going on, and uh, you know from there on in, it's just all of this whole situation that you would know none of us have ever have ever encountered before. You know, it's you're you're not sure how to deal with it, you're not sure how to process it, and then. You know, do you come to work? Do you not come to work? We were advised not to go to work initially. So we then, you know, after a few days, you know, we were all informed that it's best if we don't come to work. And that's that's kind of where it got to. And then it became quite apparent that the game the following week, which from memory, maybe was Ross County. I think it was Ross County. But anyway, the game the following week, that wasn't going to take place either. And then you just started to get a sense, mm, this is going to go the wrong way here. Um, and then obviously, the government announced the, the, the lockdown and then the furlough scheme and we then had to inform the staff who were going to be furloughed that they were going to be furloughed. Um, so some people were, some of us weren't furloughed and it just became a very surreal time and like obviously like us for the rest of the people, the rest of the population, a particularly unpleasant time as well. But from a personal perspective then, I've just, you know, I kept working um, and I, I've worked every day and initially working from home and then bit by bit coming coming into work every so often just because there's there's things that you need to get, there's files that you need to access and, and then you want to start be part of the process to think about how we get fans back, how do we get fans back safely. So you're contributing to all of those things that were taking place over the summer in terms of the sales campaign for season tickets as well and the live stream and all of that and what that looks like. So it, it turned out to be quite a busy summer for me, but you're working on it largely um, in isolation. Um, so it's it's not great because there's very few people in and around the building. So it's not, not a very pleasant time, to be honest with you. And obviously trying to allay the fears and provide supporters with information as best you can. Not all of it being, you know, everything that people wanted to hear. But you've got to try and be as honest as you can with people um, and try and give them as much clarity around the situation as possible. 
Um, and that's that, that, that was really what the summer looked like for, for me um, on a daily basis. Yeah, as you said there, the league was called off. I, I think a kind of a, it was a bit surreal, but it was a nice moment as well when, when Celtic were crowned champions. You know, and the nine, the nine in a row probably, was equaled. Yeah, that was probably the highlight, obviously. I mean, you didn't want it to end the way that it did, but that wasn't our fault. And I think we deserved to win the title. We were 13 points clear with eight games to go. I, I, I don't think we would have been caught. And I think most people who know and understand Scottish football and appreciate we wouldn't have been caught either. So we did deserve to win the title. Um, and those, those those few days were good. As I say, there, you know, there weren't many people in and around the stadium at the time. And it, it, just the way things fell at the time, they wanted to try and get some footage of some of the boys. Some of the boys said they wanted to get the trophy and whatever. And because I was me and one of the other guys, Danny, that was in, we were the only people kicking about. We got the job of taking the trophy around a couple of the lads. And it was good. It was good. That that side of it was actually quite good. Um, a bit unexpected and not what we normally do. But as I say, you were, you, know, you were trying to fill in and help out and everybody was trying to plug different gaps because there was no, there was no other real staff around that would normally carry out these jobs. So we got a couple of days of juking about and taking the trophy to quite a few of the first team players, which was good. It was good that respect. Um, and you would get a chance to get a wee chat with the boys and stuff. So um, that was probably the highlight of it. And then that weekend, we had a wee family party in the house. Um, so no, that, that, that was probably the best part of it, to be honest with you. But I would have liked to have got a proper celebration where we won it on the park and the fans could have been part of that. And we could have all enjoyed it, whether it was a home game or away game. But we could have enjoyed it in the way that we have done in the previous years, but sadly, it just it wasn't to be this time. Look, it must have been great to get a natter with the players, but it, it's. I know from my own point of view, it, this has been very mentally challenging um, to try and keep busy and to try and keep you know focused when normally you have something to look forward to. And as the, as the weeks and the months went on, there was very little to look forward to. You know, you're looking forward to the pub opening or a beer garden opening, you know, stuff that you would have took uh, for, for granted on a daily basis. But then the yeah. headache, the headache um, started for for fans, but it also started for you because, first of all, we had season book refunds. Then we had applications for season books. Then we had the virtual season ticket, you yeah. know, and then we, we, we had the realism that we weren't getting back into the stadium. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of us had thought, we'd said, well, if we get back in by the Rangers game, Will be happening. That doesn't look like hap- happening. Like, no. how difficult has it been, firstly, for you to, to digest all this and try to walk as normally as possible? Because these are extraordinary circumstances. Yeah. To, to be honest with you, it's been very hard. It's been very, very hard. I mean, you do, you're always you're always wary about how you how you put it across because people have had really difficult times and a lot of people have invested a lot of money in the club. So you don't want to come across as you know it's, well, it's, it's been hard for me, but it's not been hard for anybody else. It's been difficult for everybody, but. Just on a pers- from a personal perspective, it has. It's been difficult because, as I say, you're largely working in isolation. You know, we, we, we work in an office where, you know, in some cases, some days there'd be 16, 17, 18 people. Um, and in most cases throughout the summer, I was the only person in that office. And as you say, you know, there was, there was different challenges in terms of the refunds process, the season ticket package, what it would look like, um, and then the live streams, the virtual season ticket. And it's natural. People want to know what they're getting. People want to know what they're investing in. They want to know if it's realistic for them to be coming back to Celtic Park anytime soon. Will it be September? Will it be November? Will it be next year? 
And that, th th these are all fair questions. And I need to try and answer those as honestly as I possibly can. But you don't always know what how things are going to turn out. You don't know how things are going to go. And, you know, responses that you gave pe to people in May and June and July probably look quite different to what they would maybe be now, just simply because we would have hoped that we would have moved a bit further on. But we haven't really moved that much. I mean, I think now, obviously, we've come out of lockdown and people have had a bit of freedom again and they're getting to socialise to an extent, but they can't go to football. And that for us is obviously the, 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 the key driver. We need to try and get people back to matches and I don't know when that's going to be. And I can understand people being frustrated because they want to get to the match. There's some families have, have spent an awful lot of money backing the team and, you know, from a club perspective, everybody, you know, appreciates the, the investment and the sacrifices people have made to back Celtic and hopefully deliver the 10. But it has, it's, it's, been a, it's been a hard summer. It's been a long summer. We've, you know, most of us, you know, we've not taken any breaks or anything either. So we've been kind of at it every day. And listen, I'm not saying that so that people should feel sorry for us, not in the slightest. It's a, we're, you know, we're, we're happy to be working and, and doing the best that we can. But it's been, it's been tough. It's, it's not been an easy summer. Now you're, you're in the stadium as we, as we chat now, like a place we, we, we dream of getting back and probably took for granted for so many years, you know. Have you access on match days? Are you, can, you, can you get to see the games? So on a match day, um, I, I, I come in on a match day, mostly I kind of do my social stuff and emails and whatever and pick up. And then I think there was kind of generally felt it might be an idea for me just to be around on match day. Just in the event, you know, that we do get people gathering or whatever that you can perhaps, you know, manage that piece by maybe speaking and having a chat with, with people if they do turn up because the last thing we need is for people to gather at the stadium. Um, we don't want to put any hindrances in the, in, the, in the way of getting people back as soon as we possibly can. So from that perspective, I come in on a match day. Um, it's, it's never been a problem, not had any issues at all. And it's been brilliant that the fans have, have actually, you know, the they've stopped to it and they've not came down to the stadium, which has been great. Um, and then what I'll do is, like, when the, when the match kicks off, I'll maybe get a chance to, to you know, to nip out and, and see a bit of it um, and then just shoot back up the road again. So I'm, I'm seeing bits and pieces, to be honest with you, but it's not the same. It's not, it's not like going to football in the way that we have done over the years. You're not with your pals, you're not with your friends, you're not with anybody, really. If you can manage to get in, you, you, you've seen a wee bit of the game, you're sitting on your own and then you're juking off again. So it's um, it's it's not great, but I, I, I appreciate that it's a bit more than than everyone else is getting at the moment. So it's it's a good big opportunity, but it's it's not the same. But what we're getting at the moment is we're obviously getting the build up to the game. We're getting uh, the, whatever pundits are chatting, and then we're getting the game, and then we're getting the the, the player and, and the manager's interview maybe after the mm -hmm. game. But you know, normal match day, we'd see the team arriving, we'd see. We, we could have a point or whatever, but it's it's just can you just tell the listeners like like is match day preparation the same for the players because we've no access to players or the manager or has it just completely changed? It's completely changed, uh, Andrew. There's, it's, it's just nothing like the, the, what, what a normal match day would be now. So the the way that it operates is there's there's a green zone, an amber zone, and a red zone, um, and the red zone is essentially for players and officials only. So no one really gets near the red zone. So the team the team come into the stadium now via the Clyde Gateway um, and then they're into a secure area. It's all fenced off, come in through gate two along trackside into the changing rooms, changed, 
back out, do a bit of warm up, back in, changed, back in, play the game, and then pretty much away after that. They still go hotel beforehand, um, as far as I'm aware. Um, so they'll do their kind of pre-match, but it's it, it's very different. There's no there's no real mixing if you're in. So for example, if I was in, I would be in the amber area, and you're not mixing really with anyone. You're just in. You've got your mask on in the stadium. Um, even moving around the offices, obviously we're masked up as well. So, but you don't really see anyone. There's not really many people around. So it's again, you're kind of like really working in isolation. And then, as I say, it's you know full time. It's just everybody's gone. It's the place can be empty within like fifteen twenty minutes, half an hour. There's nobody about again. It's just it's very different, very surreal, and it's I suppose in some respects it's a bit like when you played football yourself. Is is when you're younger, it's you turn up. You see, you, you know, you you go to the changing rooms, you get changed, you play the game, and then you get the bus home, and that's that's kind of it. There's nothing, there's no niceties about it really. It's just get get them in in the secure area, stay in the, they stay in the red zone, everybody else is in the amber zone, um, and there's no mixing. And then afterwards, you just a straight away. So it's thanks, it really is quite different. Thanks for sharing that because I feel that because we're so detached from. The players, I, I, I truly believe that they have the same mental problems we have with, with life because of the lockdown. And I mm-hmm. like, okay, they can go, they can go to work, but so can a lot of people, and they're tested. Like just for me to get into my office, like every day, we have to go through. You know, we have we have camera, we temperature checks, and we're only yeah. a small thing, and it is a pain in the ass, but it's something that has to be done. But mm-hmm. I truly believe, and I think maybe some fans who are very critical of every minor movement at the club. Maybe need to mm-hmm. take a step back because we are in, in, you know, strange times and this will be affecting everybody, no matter what they're rich or famous. It's going to affect everyone. Yeah, it's, it, it's so, it is so different. And as you say, you know, we, when we come into the stadium, it's temperature checks, it's hand sanitising, it's masks on. And that's, that's the same for the players. When the players arrive, the players get tested in Lennox Town two or three times a week. Um, they're, they're in a secure bubble. We've got a COVID officer and there's no mixing. There, you know, there is genuinely no mixing at all. The football department, players, etc., first team, are contained within Lennox Town and they do what they do on a daily basis. They're training, etc. Come to the stadium on match day. They're brought in in a, a secure area. And as I say, they, you know, they, they don't mix with anyone. No one mixes with them. If you go in the red zone, well, you can't get in the red zone. If you're in the red zone and you come out the red zone, you can't get back into the red zone. There's protocols in place which make everything so different and it must, you know, it must have an impact on them. Um, it's just, it's so different from what they'd have been used to in particular the boys that have been here for a long time as well that would know the, the daily, you know, the match day routine and coming up Celtic Way and having the fans there and getting the backing and all of that. It's none of that at all. You know, it's... It, it, it is. It's it's surreal, you know. The team bus when it comes in, there's no one there to greet it. There's no one. There's no fans there to cheer them on, and that's the way it needs to be. You know, it needs to remain that way. But it must have an effect on them. I'm sure it does. Now you you attended the the away game in Ross County. Three hundred fans in for the exercise. Uh, like all I've heard about uh, Ross County is good things about how the club is run. Can you just let the listeners into your experience of the game? It didn't look very lively, but it was it was good to see 
fans back in the stadium. Yeah, I mean, that, again, that, that, that was another area I was quite fortunate because they were doing the test then. We felt it would have been beneficial, you know, to to go up to observe it and see what was, you know, what was happening. Um, and as a, you know, as a consequence of that, took a drive up um, to watch what they were doing, how they were doing it. So what they did was that they 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 had fans queuing at the ticket office to pick up their tickets, and once they had done that, then they formed another queue, which would have been to get a temperature taken um, to enter the footprint almost to the stadium behind the goals at the G end. And then as they went through there, after they provided their ticket and their ID, um, got the temperature checked, and they then moved round. They didn't use turnstiles, they used the big open, or the exit gates to bring people in. There was another check at that point, there was hand sanitising units, and then they were went into the stadium. They had a single seat, they didn't do family groups or anything, so they kept everything as single individuals, spaced out two metres, no catering facilities, um, toilets was one in, one out, so that was it was generally quite quite big queues. They managed it, you know, really pretty well, to be honest with you. And I suppose in some respects the result, whilst it was great for us, it probably wasn't great for them. And I think probably that impacted on their, their ability to create an atmosphere and get behind their team because when you're when you're consistently behind in the game it's difficult. But they were a very compliant crowd. Um they did what they were asked, they kept their masks on, they didn't sing, they didn't shout. They applauded um, when necessary. They didn't stand up. And I think from Ross County's perspective, it probably worked great. I think probably from government perspective, it probably worked great. But it wasn't football in the way that we would know and understand football and attend football. It was it was very sanitised. It was it was like something from Westworld or something. It just, you know, it didn't feel quite right. Um but fair play to them for doing it, and it was it was good to see fans in the stadium. But I don't know if it was you know if it was a real true representation of what you would get on a match day. You know, for us in a match day, we've got young and old, we've got different types of fans, we've got male and female, we've got family groups, we, we've got a, a really diverse group of supporters. And I thought on the day, it was predominantly male. You know, 40, 50, 60 years of age. Probably a sample group who you knew would, would have been very compliant. And that was probably great for Ross County. And it worked well. And it was nice to see fans back in the stadium. But I don't know if it was... I don't know if it was a real, true representation of a match day. I think for us, you know, we've got a much bigger stadium. And I would like to think that we could get maybe a, maybe a, a more diverse group if we were bringing people in. Um but I think there's no, there's absolutely no doubt that we could do what Ross County did on on the day very safely. Um, I think we could do that without any real problems. Um, so that's what we just need to keep working towards. Now, is there any truth in the rumour that you pulled into a garage on the way to Dingwall and when you heard a noise in your boot and you opened the boot and Paul the tomb was stowed away in your boot? <laughs> No, before I left, I texted him to make sure that he was at his work. <laughs> I thought he might have been clinging onto the car underneath. <laughs> it's funny, I woke early that morning, as I do most mornings these days, and uh, he was banging on about how he was missing the game because he had to go to work at six in the morning. But um, seen that, to be honest with you, and I was like, right, okay, that's fine, that's good. So I know that he's not going to be underneath the car. Um <laughs> No, listen. It, it's you know it was it was it was funny driving up. I, I, I spoke to a couple of boys on the way up that I'd phoned from the car and stuff. Um, 
just to say that I'd been getting up to the game kind of thing. And we were talking about just, you know, how much you, you know, you wish the rest of the boys were there. And they just, it's just not the same. It's, it's not the same. And it's being able to get to the games occasionally is good, but it's, I actually feel, you know, at times you feel a wee bit kind of bad, a wee bit guilty about it because, you know, you, you, you don't really feel as if, I, 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 I wouldn't say it's not, it doesn't feel right, but you just wish other people were there, you know, so don't make a big thing about it. If you get the chance to nip into a game, you nip in and nip out and just keep it to yourself. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's been great um, to get a take on someone that's in around the park because, as I said, we're not getting too much and there's not too many people around the park. So it was great to get an insight into it. I think maybe the Ross County gave us a bit of false hope because with the COVID situation, it seems to change on a daily and a weekly basis. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going backwards here in Ireland, it would seem. And um, it just, Donegal closed down, you know, last night. Uh, they've gone into, I think it's locked down for three weeks. So, you know, it, it's difficult for everybody. Um, yeah. As I said, it's been brilliant to chat. But before we wrap up, um, because I know you have a busy day there sorting all the away tickets out. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you just take the listeners back uh, to your formative years and let us into your Celtic soul? Um, who's John Paul Taylor? What games are period in time stick out in your memory? You know, is there is there a back catalogue of music to go along with these memory moments? Um, okay, I suppose. I mean, so from my own perspective, yeah, I've been coming here since nineteen. I still can't decide if it's seventy one or seventy two, but uh, but yeah, I've been coming here quite a long time. And then, obviously, as you touched on earlier on, I had my my time in the ticket office when I started and I started working with the club in October '93. I've been coming to see Celtic my entire life, um, home and away with various different members of families and friends and whatever. And then, as I, you know, as you say, fortunate enough to, to, to get the chance to come and work here. And apart from a spell, 2008, 2013, um, I think I'm now 22, 22 or 23 years, I've, I've, I've spent working at the club. Um, so, yeah, it means it, it means an awful lot to me. Um, and I think the roles that I've, I've kind of held at the club I've always tried my best to help as many fans as I possibly can and I'll, I'll keep doing that and I'll keep, you know, trying to be, you know, as honest as I possibly can with people and be straight with people and we'll see where it takes us. But for me, in terms of games, I, I mean, the, my first European game was Jusch Pestoza at Celtic Park when we drew 1-1. I think Lou McCarry scored by a header. So that sticks out. I used to love the European games and I used to, I used to come with my dad. I used to love coming to the European games when my dad were just... Always special nights for me. I remember um, Real Madrid was a big one for us. I remember Ajax was a big one for us as well. Um, and we, we we had a number of great great times at the European Games. I remember going to Madrid with my dad in 1980, my first European away game, um, which was a big thing in those days. And then the the, the 4-2 game, um, 1979, when we won the league with 10 men, was probably my favourite ever game. The Riot Cup final, 1980, I was at that. Um, that was my scariest ever game, but it was still good to win it. And there's been umpteen, to be honest with you, over the years. Doing the treble with Martin, again, you know, the game against Hibs to win the treble was brilliant. Porto, um, or not so much Porto, but Boa Vista, when we qualified for the UEFA Cup final, was an amazing night as well for us. Seville was an experience, you know, from start to finish, albeit we didn't get the result that we wanted, but you know, the whole carnival around it and the whole 
circus around tickets, etc. will live with me forever. And then obviously we've moved on now to get to the point where we've done nine for the second time. We've been going for ten for the second time. And it just it just feels a wee bit flat, you know, from that perspective, you know, that we're not doing it in the way that we would we would normally like to do it and like to enjoy it. But aye, there's, you know, there's been an awful lot of great times. My first Scottish Cup final against Hibs in 1972, we beat Hibs 6-1. That was another great game that sticks out in my memory as well. So there's, there's been a lot. The Centenary Cup final, another amazing day again, you know, typical Celtic day where you don't think we're going to do it. The Invincible Cup final, you don't think we're going to do it. Hearts for the treble, treble, we go behind, you don't think we're going to do it. And... These are the things that make Celtic great, isn't it? And even last night, to an extent, you know, there are points where you think we're not going to do it, but somehow we just, you know, we find a way. It's not always pretty, but they give us some great memories um, and some great times with our friends and our families, and hopefully they'll come back again soon. Uh, the sooner the better, to be honest with you. But that's kind of been a wee snapshot in my Celtic life, to be honest with you. And it's it's great to still be here and still be part of it, but. I just wish it was under different circumstances at the moment. I wish we could get people back and we could get through this crisis as, as, as quickly as we possibly can and get life back to normal. Music, yeah. There's you know, there's a soundtrack all the way through that, probably a lot of Britpop, a lot of Oasis in there, a bit of Stone Roses. I think one of the other shows I did as well, I alluded to my love of jazz. So you've got a bit of jazz in there, a bit of Miles Davis. Um, all sorts, really. All sorts. Um, just kind of go with the flow in many respects yeah well, I suppose we've got Oasis you've got to roll with it especially at the moment we do need to roll with it exactly <laughs> we need to roll with it and we need to try and stay as positive as we possibly can hopefully the games will continue hopefully the team will keep winning hopefully signs will find a way to try and get us through this difficult time um, and I hope that soon we can start to see people coming back even if it's only for test events you know initially people were talking about few hundred coming in or a thousand or your life will be you know your life will be hell when you you know try and pick the people that have to come in and stuff see as it stands right now I'd, I, I'd be happy to take it I'd be happy to take the grief that will come with that just to get people back in just so that we could see some green shoots and start thinking you know what we're on the way back we're on the road to recovery so if it means a lot of earache and a lot of grief because someone got picked and someone else didn't I'd be happy to take it right now just to get people back yeah wouldn't we all? Um, JP, it's always been a pleasure to chat to you. Um, I'd just like to thank you for the time you had to take out to come to the Celtic no AM events. We always get you on early because mm. you have to get up the park. And we normally get you in when there is something maybe that needs to be answered or discussed or is being over-discussed on social media without any facts. So I thank you for sure. that. Normally when we have someone in here, we get we, we delve into the Celtic. So we didn't really get that with you today. So hopefully we'll get you back to talk about you know, Celtic because, but I thought it was important with the lack of, I suppose, uh, clarity coming out uh, from all, all walks of life and including Scottish football, that we just got someone on that's inside the stadium and can just give us a little bit of, you know, what, what it's like for, for everyday life in the park because, yeah. you know, I think people think that, you know, the players are immune to this and they just, they just get on with their normal lives, but, but uh, they don't. Well, not so, at all. so thank yes. you very much for that. But I will have to get you on Pleasure. again because I want to hear about these, this love of jazz and some of them games. <laughs> some of the games that you mentioned there, Eddie, 
I think George McCluskey played his part in all those games. He certainly did. George was one of my heroes when I was a kid. I used to have a badge with George on it. Um, George was one of my big heroes and I think I've told him that a few times as well. Not that he doesn't like hearing it, he loves hearing it. Oh, he loves hearing it, yeah. He's a, you know, he's, he's the next player of the All of Eagles. Absolutely. But listen, I, I can't wait uh, to chat again and hopefully... Yeah, likewise. Hopefully I'm going to be giving you a few headaches looking for tickets and answers to why we didn't get tickets for our club because you know what? It wouldn't, wouldn't it be great to be back traveling but just just before you go i think there's a possibility we can go back into Celtic park at some stage this season but there's definitely no chance of us getting on the way day is there it's one of them you would never want to you know never say never type of thing and i dare i dare say you know it's a you know the government will depend on that I can only offer a person what I think is a personal opinion. If you know, if, if you're saying to me right now, there's a gun at your head. What do you think? Are we going to get an away game this season? I don't see it happening. You know, that's it's not an official line, and it's it's not a club line, and it's not a government line. But it's just what I think personally. I'd be surprised if we got to an away game this season. Well, as sadly. I said, as I said, JP, thanks very much for your time. As I always, keep the faith, stay safe, and hopefully we'll talk soon. Likewise, thanks a lot for having me on, Andrew, and always delighted to have it, you know, to come on and, and, and to do it. So um hopefully we'll speak again soon. Cheers, pal. Keep well, mate. Thank you. It was great to chat to JP again. I look forward to the day that his head is getting wrecked about tickets, away trips, lateral movement, and issues at tone styles. Well, folks, once again, I'd like to thank you all for listening. Just a reminder that more than 90 minutes issue 110 is now on sale, and with no match day sales. We are relying on fans buying the digital or print copy and are overwhelmed by the support you have given us so far to keep the fans in going through these tough times. As always, thanks to my good pal Ronald McQuillan for producing the show. And if you like what we're doing and you would like to support us, you can contact us at CelticFansIn.com where you can become a member, you can subscribe, you can buy or you can donate for the price of a point. And I'd like to thank everyone who has so far. The support is much appreciated. Don't forget you can download our free app and you'll have access to all the podcasts, articles, daily news, video content. I'd like to say our upcoming events, but they're on hold. The fans in and our online shop, all at the touch of a button, on your phone or tablet. All episodes of the podcast are now available on most platforms, the latest being Speaker. So hit that subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. You can also access the podcast instantly on our Instagram story, Celtic Fans In. And we would also appreciate if you could visit our YouTube channel, Celtic Fans in TV, and hit the subscribe button. Thanks again to our episode sponsor, Brian Cunningham of BC Services, who has supported us from day one. If your business or Celtic Supporters Club are enjoying the podcast and would like to sponsor us in some way, please email us at info at CelticFansIn.com or as normal, you can contact us through the website or message us on social media. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Keep the comments coming in and let us know what guests you would like us to get in the show and keep us posted on any Celtic information or Celtic stories you have that might be of interest to the listeners. We are back on Tuesday with episode 31 when we will have another guest opening up the Celtic soul to us. Enjoy the weekend, folks. Hibs took points off Rangers on Sunday, so it's going to be a tough test for us this Sunday. I won't be panicking, however, when the manager picks the starting eleven. I don't expect Hibs to park the bus, so it should be a more open game than we've had recently, a bit maybe like the Ross County game. And if not, I'll be on Twitter ranting and raving at someone. Only joking. 
I think I'll just go for a point after the game and debate it out with the boys like we used to before social media took over our lives. So folks, stay tuned, stay safe and keep the faith. Folks, I'll leave you with this tune for Lezzo who's going up to do a big gig in the sky. Rest in peace, pal. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.